Welcome back to Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. I'm James, joined in the studio, as always, by... Sean. And Stephen. How are we, guys? Well, yeah, really good, actually. Feeling good, looking forward to today's episode. We've been busy of late? Yeah, always. Always busy, but, you know, that's all good, that's all fun. I mean, not as busy, I should add, mm. by the sounds of it, as young brother Watley over there. Yes, Mr. Stephen, you've been up to a few things and are going to be up to a few things. Indeed. Uh, I mean, dissertation writing, first and foremost, uh, and much to Sean's dismay, is an interesting dissertation, I promise. Sure. Uh, And also fencing, uh, fencing a lot, preparing for the upcoming uh, British University uh, and Colleges Sports Championships, individual championships, uh, next weekend, um, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, oh well, good luck with that. Thank you very much. Might bring need it, it. Bring it home. Yeah, I'll. I will. It's coming home, isn't it? Sure. Let's say. <laughs> we'll let's go, say we'll yes. go with coming yes. home. Let's yeah. say yes. Brother Dalton, how yes. are you? I'm good. Um, recently back from a trip to the United States, another work trip. Brilliant. Um, sort of two weeks over there, and whilst I was over there, I actually got a very unique opportunity to talk on another Masonic podcast. Ooh. So this is a podcast called The Travelling Man Masonic Podcast, okay. which is produced and presented by Worshipful Brother Jim Hall from East Palestine in the Grand Lodge of Ohio. Brilliant. Now, it's an unofficial podcast, but we had a great sit-down conversation for about 90 minutes. Oh, wow. Talked nice. a little bit about yeah, how I got into Freemasonry, how is Freemasonry, but then also about Craftcast. So hopefully, mm. if you listen to it and you are in the United States... Welcome to Craftcast. Hello, Brother Jim. So, Sean, what are we going to be talking about today? Yes, I suppose we should probably get on with it, shouldn't we? So, for those of you that are unaware, the United Grand Lodge of England has recently held an especial meeting of Grand Lodge at the Grand Temple here in Freemasons Hall, at which we celebrated the tercentenary of the 1723 constitutions. Now, We'll bring this up again later, but there will actually be a limited series podcast released on this very topic, on the 1723 Constitutions, which will provide a, a real deep dive into history and all the different elements that are encapsulated within the celebrations that are going to be coming up this year. But we thought, as a nice little teaser, we would interview Dr. Tim Myatt, who is the Head of Special Projects at UJLE and who has been project managing the celebrations. So, let's get to it. <laughs> Dr. Tim Meyer, welcome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I'm uh, slightly soggy around the edges this morning. I'm okay. Oh, sorry to hear that. That's all right. It's a long weekend. So, uh, a quite fair question raised by Stephen. Obviously, we know you're a doctor. If I was to keel over, would you be able to treat me? I I, I could treat you with um, a quick bout of uh, 19th century Tibetan anthropology, but apart from that, you'd be be a pulsating wreck on the floor. Oh, great. Okay, right. The 1723 Constitutions. Obviously, you are the head of special so projects. just to be clear, you don't want to know about 19th century Tibetan anthropology. Maybe I in did. the future <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> Maybe in a future podcast. Okay. Uh, but for the purpose of this, um, you are the head of special projects at the United Grand Lodge of England, and you've been project managing the celebration of the tercentenary of the 1723 Constitutions. For our listeners that maybe aren't aware... Can you give us a quick view of what they are, please? Okay, so yeah, top-down view. Uh, They were, or in fact still are, a radical statement of Enlightenment beliefs. Uh, They're very much a product of the time uh, and the uh, values of the authors. Um, They bear really only passing resemblance to the the Book of Constitutions that you get given as an initiate today. 
um, uh, that's really involved into a, basically a selection of rules and regulations. Um, but through them, Freemasonry was uh, allowed to evolve as an organisation that advanced basically the Enlightenment agenda. That's the headline. It advanced the Enlightenment. Um, it championed aspiration and basically was opposed to absolutism. They sort of had principles that included sort of a constitutional government, uh, religious tolerance, the promotion of education and science, um, and, and uh, a world that was interpreted uh, through rational observation rather than through religious diktat. That's, mm. that's essentially what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a rule book. It's a set of guiding principles for Freemasonry as it developed from the, uh, from the 1720s onwards. Definitely a product of the time that they were written in, as you say. Absolutely. And, and can you give us some insight into who it was that authored them? Was it a particular individual? Was it a group of people? There were, there were essentially three main um, authors of these constitutions, and they both took on different parts of the, of the text. Uh, you've got uh, John Theophilus Desagulier. Um, so he was, uh, he was born in, in, uh, just outside La Rochelle uh, in France to a, a Huguenot family. Now, this is important because of the, the context that, uh, that the, the, these, these um, documents were written in. Um, he was a Huguenot, so a Protestant, and the, his family fred, uh, fled France uh, basically that year. Um, they came settled in the UK. Um, he was admitted to uh, Christchurch in Oxford and read Divinity um, and was also uh, an experimental sort of naturalist and philosopher. He studied under a chap called John Keel. Uh, now, Keel was important because he introduced Desagulier to uh, Isaac Newton uh, and also to the uh, Duke of Chandos. Heard of him. You've heard of him. Yep. There we go. We'll probably come back to him. You've been waiting him. the whole time you've been speaking. <laughs> when you say heard of him, you mean Isaac, Isaac Newton, Newton, not the other yeah. chap. Apples <laughs> sitting okay. under a tree. Got yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So you, you're with me this far. Yep. So they're all involved in the, in the Royal Society, this, this sort of nascent body of, of, of uh, intellectual supremacy and science in the United Kingdom. Um, he uh, basically, this boosted his career enormously. Um, he was elected a fellow of the RC, um, RRFS, uh, and it led to this sort of wealthy, well-connected, entrepreneurial uh, world for him. Um, he gave lots and lots of scientific lectures. Um, Desagulier, he, he basically uh, lectured on the uh, physical properties of gases, on optics, on the orbits of the moons and the planet, that sort of thing. Uh, he was also uh, Grand Master of the, United, of the uh, Grand Lodge in, in 1719, um, and he basically reworked the Masonic charges, um, altering the, the ritual. He, he is, it's possible that he also introduced the third degree um, to Freemasonry in, wow. in 1723. Um, but yeah, he's, he's basically responsible for the, the, the charges. You've then got a chap called George Payne. Uh, now, he was born in Chester. Uh, and he's, he was a magistrate. He was the more sombre, the more sort of uh, traditional uh, sort of chap. That's uh, radical. That's radical, yeah. He worked at the tax office, essentially. Uh, and he, he we do love that. wiggled his way up uh, his career over a period of about 40 years to end up as basically secretary to the tax commissioners. Um, he uh, was um, involved with the construction of Westminster Bridge. Uh, now, that was a, a project that was also you know, heavily influenced by Freemasons and, and early Masons. Uh, and he ran the, um, the Westminster Bridge Lottery. So this was how they basically funded it. They, they had a lottery. Uh, he was the second and fourth Grand Master uh, of Grand Lodge. Uh, and he wrote the regulations. So you've got Desagulier who wrote the charges, you've got Payne, who wrote the regulations, and then you've got James Anderson. Now, you ask anyone who wrote the constitutions of the Freemasons, and everyone says James Anderson. He didn't. It's 
he wrote a, a, a relatively small part of it. Um, but anyway, James Anderson was, was from basically from Aberdeen. Uh, he was ordained into the Church of Scotland uh, before travelling to London to take up ministry here. Uh, there's there's quite a lot of reference to his um, having lost quite a lot of money and status through the through the South Sea bubble. I'm sure many of you and many of the listeners have heard of the South Sea bubble instead. Um, he basically um, wasn't the 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 author of, of much of the text, and he's identified actually in the text really almost as an afterthought as the author uh, on page 74. Um, but he did write the traditional histories. Now, um, for those of you who want to go back to this, it basically traces masonic history all the way back from adam who he refers to as our first parent uh, and it basically is a is a long catalog of made up history traditional history if you like yeah. um that served to sort of add legitimacy and uh, demonstrate continuity which was important for this this very early very nascent very sort of you know immature mm. organization uh that, that sought to uh, to root itself in, in in traditional history so that's the bit that he's responsible for so, so between so that kind of makes sense that that religion sort of comes into uh, there's certain religious terms at least that are noticed in different parts of the yeah, traditional very, history very because much he was so, obviously yeah. a minister himself yeah absolutely um, could, could I just, uh, in in terms of in separately to to the facts, why is the constitutions important today? What three hundred years later? How are they? You know, obviously they've changed, as you said. You know, there's been adaptations. What is obviously so? I'm not doubting how special it is. What is so special though about these constitutions? What made them so different to what was what was there beforehand, and and what, sure, why sure, are they sure. so relevant today? Sure. So basically, these constitutions gave. Freemasonry is hallmarks. It gave them the the founding principles on which we stand. And because they were so radical, because they were so different, because they challenged the status quo of the period, uh, it was it was immensely important throughout the throughout the world over the last three hundred years. But they're also the rock on which we've we've built our our, our house. Right? Religious tolerance. This was this was you know a, a vastly different idea in in the seventeen twenties. Mm. Um, it was meritocratic. Um, and it was aspirational at a time when really birth and wealth determined your success and your outcome. Yeah, um, which is it, a value that that still absolutely it required today sort of it. high standards of of interpersonal civility. Mm. Um, so you you know you, how you kept yourself, what your up, up, upright uh, men and stature mm. uh, was 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 really important to them. It promoted this this scientific and artistic education at a world when you know education was limited and and, and frankly. Um, limited to a few and limited in its scope mm. uh, and it, it basically promoted societal and, and personal self-improvement which is, is something that we you know we continue to strive to do so if it wasn't the classist hallmarks, it wasn't prejudiced it was absolutely it was what freemasonry is which is is equal to all basically. absolutely yeah yeah and this this challenged the world around them and it continues to challenge the world today it's interesting you talk about James Anderson actually because sometimes you hear it colloquially referred to as the Anderson constitutions that's right even though that's not actually what it's called do you have any sort of insight into why he seems to have been the most synonymous name with it even though as you mentioned he was probably the, the minor party of the three in all honesty i don't but i know in a few weeks time you've got a man called dr rick berman uh, coming on this show uh, who is uh, very definitely a masonic historian mm. as opposed to a sort of errant tibetologist uh, and i'm sure he will uh, he'll answer that question much more fluently well actually and james that's a good opportunity to say that uh Although we are here on Craftcast, imminently, in fact, at the time that you are listening to this podcast, it is likely to already be already be available. We have also recorded a limited series of podcasts 
called the 1723 podcast, which answers that very question. And we interview Martin Cherry, who's obviously the librarian in the Museum of Freemasonry. We speak to a Rick Berman, Dr. Rick Berman himself, uh, and a number of, of sort of noted Masonic historians about the tercentenary and about that sort of finer detail of who these people were, what was their offering to this special you know, event in our history. And yeah, I would encourage you to listen to it, UGLE YouTube channel. Check it out. Go and check it out. I definitely need to give that a little listen and watch. Yes, you do, James. I'm disappointed you haven't already, actually, to be honest with you. (laughs) I've been very busy. Have you now? Oh, yeah, your four meetings. Yeah. Anyway, to interrupt that squabble. (laughs) um, I mean, to go back to the original question, Anderson, (laughs) in in all things with history, you've not got to look at just the one document. You've got to look at what came afterwards and how it Mm. got reinterpreted. Now, Anderson did get employed at later stages to rewrite bits of the constitutions. Uh, which he did. Um, some of it was very good, most of it was nonsense, a lot of it got written out at later editions. So he sort of became synonymous with the sort of constitutions project uh, as these things get refined and tweaked, as, as any sort of living document would do. So, so why then? What was, uh, you know, those three uh, gentlemen... What had stopped that happening beforehand? What what was so sort of... Well, you've got to remember the, the Grand Lodge only came together to become the, the United Grand Lodge a couple of years earlier. Yeah. That's yeah. why, um, of course, we celebrated the tercentenary of the United Grand Lodge yeah. uh, in 2017. And, and, and now we celebrate the, um, the the tercentenary of this document. So it's really... Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it, it wasn't immediate. You know, the one didn't give birth to the other, but it was it was a couple of years difference. And then, and but then it, it came in, in terms of what, what made those three men special as in for example now if you were to i think write uh, write something like that it there would it would be open to a lot more discussion in terms of you know they've got the board of general purposes the rulers and everything yeah but i mean i guess you you know someone who's been trained by isaac newton a magistrate you know these i guess were yeah, I mean, oh, these guys were academic big hitters. Yeah. You know, you've, you've, you've got a, a man of So they're academics is, is the answer, yeah, basically. Of course, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you've got a magistrate, um, and you, they're, they're, they're respectable. Um, you've got to remember also that, you know, United Grand Lodge was very much a smaller organisation mm. then than now. Of course. Um, with, with only a limited number of lodges. I mean, it grew exponentially, and it grew very, very quickly, particularly in London. Yeah, um, the but Premier then, Grand Lodge, as it was then, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it yeah. I was just trying to, trying to get a, a picture of, of what this was like back then and how sort of revolutionary this was, because what that would look like now is so different to yeah. how it oh, would... Oh, massively. Yeah. But I think, I, think that's why, I think that's why there's so much time has been spent commemorating the event, mm-hmm. because I mean, we had, for the, uh, for the 1723 podcast, we spoke to Akram Elias, who, those of you who are lucky enough to attend the special meeting back in January heard him speak and he describes the constitutions as the english gift doesn't he Tim? yeah yeah i mean yeah. akram uh, is a, a past master of uh, washington uh, grand lodge in washington and he he basically stood at the uh, the grand lodge at uh, the special meeting and, and charged us again to to, to yes. go back to these principles to, to think again about how those tools that we have inherited these principles that we've inherited uh, can be applied to the challenges and questions that face us now um and sort of mapped out in a, in a very brief way how uh, in the United States, how that has been continuously the case. You know, every generation of Americans has has, um, has, has, has faced the challenges of the era using these very tools and principles that uh, were were the gift of the uh, of the Grand Lodge. Mm. There are elements of the constitutions in the um, Constitution of the United States, not you know word for word copies, but the principles mm. I think are are in there, and there is reference to that in the exhibit I think as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah. notable inclusions. I mean, the, the sure. influence and the impact of this document on Freemasonry around the world, but also on the world around Freemasonry, is, is just 
immense. Um, it was essentially a, a, a rule book that was emulated by just about every other secular club and society in Britain and around the world. Let's list them, okay? You know, election of officers subject to democratic accountability. Uh, one member wielding one vote, men, majority rule, uh, erasions by elected officials, national governance, written constitutions. These are these are the, the sort of the hallmarks that were the product of those principles that we, we talked about earlier. Um, in an America, you know, uh, Franklin, Benjamin Franklin, took these constitutions out in 1734, and he he paid for them publicly, uh, privately, to be to be reprinted word for word. Um, and you can you can almost copy paste from the uh, the constitutions into the Declaration of Independence into the U.S. constitutions. Um, you know they share those Enlightenment hallmarks and they focus on you know freedom, justice, separation of powers, constitutional government, and religious toleration. That's 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 where America started. So so I I think um, I'm sure I've said it before. On in fact I know I've said it before on, on previous episodes that Freemasonry often leads away in equality um, and, and I think that's something that's not necessarily uh, understandably not necessarily understood by the public or non-Freemasons how much Freemasonry champions equality and I think that's probably seen even by a lot of current Freemasons as a very current modern day thing that we lead, Freemason, lead the way in equality but actually uh, almost what Freemasonry is about and what these constitutions represent is that this has happened since the very start. Yeah, we've been doing it for 300 years. That, that you know, leading that and, and that influence they've had on the outside world of of leading that way in equality and, and, and making sure you do things the right way and the, the principled way. Uh, and I think that's probably quite an, an important point that a lot of, certainly young Freemasons probably won't be aware of. So. Absolutely. No, I mean, if, uh, you know, to, 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 to sum things, if um, the tercentenary celebrations of the United Grand Lodge in, in twenty. Uh, what we said, 2017, we're about telling the world about you know what Freemasonry is, what we do, how we do it, and why why it's important to us. These celebrations are really for Freemasons to learn more about their history and to feel proud of the organisation which they belong to. Um, you know, these these are important principles, um, and and Freemasonry and Freemasons should be proud of them. Mm. Well, uh, and and seems as you say that, if you are listening to this and would like to find out more, as as Sean said earlier, there will be uh, another podcast and I think a YouTube video as well to go and watch. Yeah, the YouTube video. Um, well, the, the YouTube video that was played in the special meeting, which was, mm. I mean, it was amazing, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a remarkable um, pulling together of the various different narratives of this and and and, and writ large upon screens. Um, it's. Uh, that was produced by uh, Matthew Mitchell and Circadian uh, Productions for us for the uh, for the special meeting. Um, yeah, that's available on YouTube as well. Well worth a watch. Mm-hmm. And the the sort of entry level of that is is quite um, is quite open to all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah. it's easily understandable, and uh, it's got some 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 good humour in there as well. I mean, there, I there's a third resource. Uh, sure. Absolutely, yeah. and narrated by Sir Derek Jacobi, who sat in that chair that you're sat in, Stephen. He, he sat in Watley's corner. He sat, sat in Watley's corner. Watley's he he corner. seems horrified, actually, that somebody else would dare <laughs> no, to I'm, sit. No, I'm honoured. I'm honoured. He's got nominated <laughs> sitting in my chair. I'm honoured. <laughs> I, I guess that's a good point maybe for us to, to go to what the United Grand Lodge is doing to celebrate this the year-long anniversary what, of the, the Constitution. Could I just interrupt you? And what I was saying about where the where you can see the podcast, where can you see this new podcast? Because even I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, you, you would be able to see it. I mean, On YouTube? All, yeah, all episodes will there be released go. on YouTube. Okay, sorry. Continue. No, 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 a very important question. <laughs> um, we're in this year of celebration of the constitutions and we've referenced the special meeting that happened and the Inventing the Future mm-hmm. video, um, but there is an exhibition 
There is indeed, yeah. In Freemasons Hall. Could you talk to us a bit about where that is, what's in there? Sure. So, I mean, those are the sort of the, 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 the big guns of this, this year-long celebration. But the... Um, the, the exhibition is in the South Gallery at the uh, Museum of Freemasonry uh, here in uh, Freemasons Hall. Uh, it's open to everyone. It's free. Um, and it basically maps the, the story of these constitutions uh, through the, uh, the context, you know, sort of where uh, the, the world in which these were born. Um, the content, you know, as we've gone through in this podcast, you know, what the what the actual document says and why that's important, and then the the consequences uh, of that as it as it uh, evolved across Europe, as it spread to America, its its, it's deep impact in in Latin America through the likes of Bolivar and San Martin, and then basically uh, all the way across Europe, be it France, Germany, Netherlands, Italy, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Portugal, Spain, uh, and 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 then sort of its, its explosion globally. Um, so yeah, context, content, consequences. Uh, it's in the South Gallery. Uh, it's here for a year, so it'll it'll probably close sometime in December. Um, it's well worth a watch. Are there any particularly favourite pieces in there of yours that you think are well worth of note? Um, there's some fun bits and pieces in there as well. There's a lot of content from some of the early uh, lodges that we've we've gathered together for the first time. We've got some of the old charges. Uh, the sort of medieval uh, documents that these these constitutions were were based on, and why this was a radical departure from those documents, and they've been displayed for for the first time. Um, we've got some items that sort of spread the, the 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 story of the building of the temple and the building of these principles and the building of this 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 construct that is Freemasonry. Um, Wren's Mall is always a good one, the, the, the sort of heavy-setting mall that Wren was supposed to have used to, to, to lay the foundation stones for the, uh, for the new um, St Paul's. My favourite actually is a, is, a, is, a, is a much later painting, it's, it's actually sort of um, end of the 1800s, but it's a painting of Desaguliers holding the constitutions under his arm and looking particularly smug in a, in a powdered mm. wig, it's quite fun. Like when you when you do a piece of ritual really well, yeah. <laughs> you're yes. just proud of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Look at what I have created. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think probably my my favourite bit about the exhibition is it's quite interactive, isn't it? Yeah. So it's a departure from our, our usual um, exhibition format. Um, there are uh, some some large screens in there for the first time, uh, and there are some some overhead sound showers, which are sort of unidirectional sound showers, which are uh, enormous fun to play with. So you can bounce sound around the gallery. So it's it's a lot more interactive and immersive. And we've actually one at Apollo mm. Apollo Lodge singing. Uh, the Mason song. Well, that's one one part of the uh, these constitutions that we haven't touched on thus far. Um, the the last part of them is in fact a collection of Masonic songs. Um, now, you know, song and music was a, an integral part of, of society and life, um, really at all stratas at the time of these 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 products being written. Would that would that be because of literacy in, in terms of obviously music everyone can understand, but not everyone necessarily at that time w- was was literate. That's probably true. Um, a lot more people played instruments, uh, and singing was an everyday part of of, of, of life. Um, it was the sort of thing that you did in in taverns, but you also did it in in court circles as well. Um, and uh, Masonic songs uh, was a, a natural uh, expansion of that. Um, you know, songs like the Entered Apprentice song uh, go right the way back to these early constitutions. And in fact, you know, songs became such an important part of it. Um, that by sort of 1731, there's a, um, a, a people published a, a volume containing nothing but Masonic songs. Uh, it's called a curious collection of the most celebrated songs in honour of Masonry. That is a long title, um, which we, you know <laughs> could, could probably do with being edited down now. Um, and you know later editions of the constitutions, they were they were frankly paid for by the word. 
Um, so there are enormous collections of songs. So by the 1750s, you've got sort of the, uh, the third edition that's got, you know, 50 pages of songs at the back oh, wow. of it. Um, most of which is total tripe, but uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a few gems in there still. And now you're obviously going to give us a rendition. Absolutely. Of the <laughs> of one, two, Just let me three. get my hoodie out. Oh, yeah. and can, uh, yeah. oh no. Um, well, can I uh, ask yes. a, a slightly different question? Of course. Um, you, you know, your your job here at, at UGLE is Special Projects Manager. Have I That's got right. that right? Yeah. So could you, I'm interested to know what that entails and would you be able to sort of tell us that through the scope of, through the, the lens of the this particular project what was involved that's obviously a massive project that you had to pull so many different aspects of what was going on for the celebrations for the whole year but also the the special event uh, the spe- the special meeting the youtube video all of it sure. could you sort of tell us a little bit about how you pull something that large scale and in, into one well, I mean, event. people talk about spinning plates. I've, I've frankly got a spinning dinner service. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, there's, the, 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 there's a number of different elements to this and strands. Uh, obviously, um, there's the exhibition, which is the, the, you know, the jewel and the crown of this. Mm. Um, that's uh, required an awful amount of, awful lot of work uh, by the, the team here in the, in the museum and library, uh, to which I'm immensely grateful. Um, it's also required, you know, a complete rebuilding of the South Gallery. So a lot of the maintenance teams and the, you know, the tech and the ITs and the electricians have all been involved with that as well. We've had the uh, special meeting, which um, was, you know, a, a, a small uh, gathering for 1,670 <laughs> brethren, uh, followed by lunch for 770, Very um, which, you know, required some logistical uh, gymnastics <laughs> as well. Um, we've got a range of merchandise going on, which is available now and in the shop. Uh, do check it out. There's some quite fun, fun items there. Really, price points from uh, you know small takeaway tokens right the way I'll through to uh, the 1723 gin, which is uh, was a lot of fun to create as well. That's, that's gone back to an early, an early style gin. <laughs> did you test it out? Is that what did, you're yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. so these, these, things, sure. these things need taste tests. You need to make sure it's of sufficient quality. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, yeah. And then keep testing it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we've got a range of merchandise available. Uh, there's been pop-up shops. Uh, we will have a conference in September uh, in one of the colleges in Cambridge. Uh, that will be um, very much more academic. Um, you know, Masonic uh, uh, history and academia is, is at a vast uh, uh, field these days. Um, and, and people care passionately about this particular subject. So it's going to have a, a three, four-day conference over in Cambridge. Um, wow. There will be celebrations in the United States as well and in France. Um, and there will be sort of regional and provincial uh, lectures, both by Akram uh, as the uh, Prestonian lecturer for this year, uh, but also by Rick uh, and by others. Uh, and we're hoping for sort of Masonic uh, uh, regional engagement through the museum networks and through the RCGs and things like that as well. Um, so, so delegation meeting. essentially through the, the incredibly long-reaching uh, branches of UGLE in terms of the, the wide variety of things that, that you're offering for this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, it's been a team of, um, well, one yeah. um, for, for much of this. But um, yeah, we're, we're very lucky to be able to you know, draw on the support of, you know, like the comms team, like the maintenance mm-hmm. team, like the museum team, um, the shop. You know, th- th- this has really sort of cast-netted so many different departments of, of UGLE that it's been, a, it's been an all-up crew, all-weather um, exercise and it's been it's been it's been quite successful thus far. Dr. Tim Meyer, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. You're kind indeed. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, gentlemen, that was very interesting, wasn't it? Seventeen twenty-three constitutions. 
It was. I think it's often difficult to appreciate just how much of an impact those documents and those words have had, not just in Freemasonry, but a- across the globe. When we talk yeah. about the US Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, some really interesting facts in there. And actually, I think the values that Tim listed when he was talking about, you know, one person, one vote, mm. you know, democratic responsibility, all those sorts of things, are sort of things that we now just sort of take for granted. But actually, at the time, the context, those were hugely different from the norm at that time. You know, so so to try and understand the magnitude of, of how massive that was, at, you know, within society at that time, the difference is huge. You know, we take it for granted now, but, you know, then, yeah, it was it was completely almost sort of, I want to use the word revolutionary, really, in terms of the I way that people I was just going to say. And amazing, amazing, very interesting, very interesting. And, yeah, and, and the comparison between then and, and now, really, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Those values have consisted those, through yeah, the years. How they've passed down through Freemasonry. Mm. And actually, therefore, I would suggest reiterating why Freemasonry still has such a vital role to play in society today. Mm. Right, so as per usual, this is the time in the show where we are going to reflect on some great emails some tweets and whatnot that you guys have sent us in. And we are going to read them out. So, Brother Watley, over to you. Some listeners' input for, yes. for this afternoon. Absolutely. Um, from Brother Ashley Dunnicliffe uh, from Marlow Bridge Lodge, number 8616. Uh, he says, Afternoon, guys. I firstly want to say that I'm really enjoying the podcast. It's always lovely when they when they, when they start with that, I think. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, this episode was particularly good. Uh, I believe he's talking about the Young Freemasonry yeah, episode. Yeah. I'm 42, but have uh, only been in Freemasonry since uh, October 2021. I've loved every minute, and within my first year, already delivered the working tools and the charge to the initiate as an entered apprentice. Congratulations. Wow. That is a lot. Nice. So, yeah, well done. Um, he's done this on a few occasions now, uh, and now been roped into helping another lodge, uh, well, as you do. Yep. Yeah, standard. <laughs> Stand, sounds about right. If you're good at doing the charge after initiation, when you've only just joined you are going to get roped into yeah. a lot of volunteering. All of it, yep. <laughs> yep, all of it. Brother Ashley. Um, like what was mentioned in the podcast, I joined Freemasonry because I struggled to speak in front of people and to have conversations with people outside of my working environment. Freemasonry has definitely helped me with both of these aspects, but I think I still have a long way to go. And then he goes on to tell us about more ritual he's learning, secondary degree tracing board and tools, and that he's still not done his, mar- his, his third degree yet, but that's being done very soon. Um, and he's going to do je- junior deacon for his friend who's coming in, which I think is always nice. That's always yeah. nice, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so congratulations on all that work. We're very glad to hear. I think it's lovely that obviously, as we mentioned, Freemasonry has so many different aspects of, of how it can help and uh, personal growth. Uh, and definitely public speaking is one of them. So it's lovely to hear a, a first-hand case of that happening. Absolutely. Now, James, I understand you have a comment from the province of Northumberland. I do. I've got uh, David Lloyd here, a master mason from Morden Lodge, number 5722, uh, based out of Jesmond, very close to Newcastle City Centre. And he says, can I just start by congratulating you on the podcast series, and particularly the latest one that I have found very relevant to some of the challenges and opportunities we face currently in our own lodge. For my part, I've taken on a lead role to develop a communication strategy for the Lodge with the primary objective of attracting new members. And that'll be a topic very close to uh, Brother Watley's heart as DCO for Gibraltar. Yep, uh, indeed. Keeps me busy, that that exact problem. 
um, feel free to to contact me if you if you ever need any advice. Though I'm sure, obviously, with Sean's comms hat on, he's probably even better person to contact. But or Marta, or Marta, indeed. Um, he then goes on to talk about how he's really enjoying Solomon, which is great, and Solomon Live, um, and he wants to ask us if we, in the future we can cover some of the best practice tips as a feature on the podcast, where lodges from around the country can submit ideas and initiatives that have worked for them outside of the lodge, uh, outside the lodge meeting and the ritual itself. For him, it's the social side of Freemasonry that needs to be attractive as well, and the value of younger candidates in order for them to be recruited and retained in the craft. I, I, I agree with David. I mean, I wouldn't restrict it just to younger candidates. I think that appeals to younger and older people, doesn't it? Uh, most certainly. I think, obviously, with the ritual, well, there's some, uh, obviously, uh, some things that are different across different places, and I think definitely it will be interesting. It would be an interesting episode to look at some of the problems and how they've been overcome with with various issues of young Freemasonry, older Freemasonry, physical disabilities, yep. l- learning difficulties, all sorts of different, you know, anomalies that might happen in various lodges and how they've how they've overcome them. So maybe this is an ideal opportunity Absolutely. to ask. If you have had one of these anomalous situations in your lodge uh, or outside of your lodge that you know of, and please tell us, we'd love to hear about it and how you overcame that problem would be a lovely thing to discuss on, on an episode of Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. Absolutely. Um, and I've had one uh, from Brother Darren Harbour of Elwyn Lodge number 3535 in the province of Northamptonshire and Huntingdonshire. Hi, guys. Uh, after listening to the podcast today, I thought I'd share my thoughts. I'm a very recent fellow craft, having joined in January last year, and my twin brother and considered one of the young ones at 41, Lodge age range is mid-20s to 90-plus in our lodge, Alwyn 3535. I can echo 100% your thoughts on meeting people you would never normally cross paths with. No egos, no judgment, etc. The thing that struck me most, though, was the ritual during our initiation. Our proposer did the working tools, and a friend that until a few weeks before I had no idea was a mason did the northeast corner. And it's not until after that you realise that they're not just talking at you, it's learnt verbatim for you. For our passing, the immediate past master did a full explanation of the second degree tracing board, which was amazing. No mistakes or prompts. We've had a decent influx of new younger members into Alwyn over the last few years, with more this year, and it's so nice to see the older brethren support us and get genuine pleasure from seeing us all get involved more and more. Something this time last year I couldn't understand, but the more I'm involved, the more I get it. New younger members bring in more younger members and the lodge lives on. Love the podcast. You found a great balance between enjoying it as a Mason, but also, hopefully, the inquisitive non-Masons. Well, Darren, thank you very much for that. Absolutely perfect. Okay, gents. I think we're done again, aren't we? We are. And thank you very much, everyone, for who's written in. Uh, and please do continue to. Yep, podcast at ujelly.org.uk. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, ugle underscore Grand Lodge. United Grand Lodge of England on Facebook and Instagram. And we will see you next time. Bye. See you next time. Bye-bye. Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. The podcast is hosted by Sean Butler, Stephen Watley, and James Dalton. The producer is Marta Zandri. And the podcast is edited by Trisonic. Trisonic.